0: Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For a man sows in the flesh, from the flesh also will reap corruption. But he who sows in the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap life everlasting. Father Rufus Pereira is a seminary professor, studied in Rome, and he's hardly regarded by the bishops of India. During a conference he was attending on the subject of deliverance, he witnessed five cases of possession surface while the speaker was giving his presentation. One was a Catholic woman who was subsequently taken into a classroom. When Father Pereira got there, she was found stretched out on the table assuming the dancing posture that you see in some Hindu statues. If you tried to straighten her out, she would immediately contort her body back to its artificial posture. The priest was an exorcist. And he had this to say about that. Quote, The girl was taking on the poses of the Hindu dancing god. This dancing god is one aspect of the god Shiva. What is really remarkable is that this girl knows nothing about Indian dancing because she was brought up in a Western cultured home. Yet there she was, assuming the absolute correct dancing poses in her fingers, her wrists, her hands and feet the exact poses of this very god. It was something fantastic to watch as her eyes and her mouth were all changed into the features of this Hindu god. I later found out that it got into her because of a spell cast by a Hindu doctor. End quote. Okay, so this girl knows nothing about Indian dancing because she was brought up in a Western cultured home. Yet there she was assuming the correct, the absolute correct Hoses in her fingers, her wrists, her hands, and her feet. Two things to consider. First, our body can be used to manifest something good or bad. In this case, manifest the demonic spirit that was possessing her. But we all know that signs can easily manifest something bad or good that have spiritual Or moral ramifications. And all one has to do is cut somebody off in traffic. And one will see certain signs and gestures. That might be presented, manifest. And one knows exactly what they mean. But we also see in the liturgy. We see the priest strikes his breast. Three times. When we pray. We see hands folded. And a person is kneeling. One knows exactly what is going on through this external manifestation of the body. And these external manifestations have moral and spiritual ramifications. The second thing is, there are certain things that are clearly associated with the occult and false religion. As the priest mentioned, the girl was taking the poses of the Hindu dancing god. Why mention any of this? Why should we bring this up? Well, there are certain worldly fads that have become very popular, so popular that they have crept their way into Catholic homes and even into places in the church where they have either gained tacit approval by the the clergy or outright support. And although there are many practices we can speak of here, there's one that seems to have gained ground especially among women today. And this is the Hindu religious ritual called yoga. Yoga is intimately associated with the beliefs of Hinduism. These beliefs are at odds with Christianity. The desire of altering one state of consciousness or seeking spiritual serenity seems to be the common end for those who practice yoga. And for many, this is an open door to the occult. The first question may arise, what do you mean by altered state of consciousness, Father? What do you mean? The Meridian Medical Dictionary defines it as any of various states of awareness, as dreaming, sleep, a drug-induced hallucinogenic state, or a trance that deviate and are usually clearly demarked from ordinary waking consciousness. We should note that the altered state of consciousness is part and parcel to the New Age movement, and it's very tied up in yoga, as we will see. Now, there are four parts to yoga. First of all, there's the series of poses that are performed. Second, there is the controlled, the slow, rhythmic breathing. Third, there is the focusing of the mind on the body and the breathing. And then finally, four the repetition of some sort of mantra. These these are all to specifically help to achieve the end of of achieving an altered state of consciousness. In the magazine Australian Yoga Life in volume number 16, an article describes this altered state of consciousness as spiritual awakening. And it says, quote, This spiritual awakening is also called the Kundalini Awakening. It is based on the ancient path of yoga that describes dormant spiritual energy at the base of the spine. When awakened, this benevolent energy rises within. This is from that Australian Yoga Life magazine. Let's quickly describe here what is being referred to. The Kundalini Awakening is about a serpent being coiled up in the spine. And this serpent supposedly is to rise up through certain chakra points, the waist, the the hip, the mid-back, the upper torso, etc. And the chakra points are energy centers, or depots of concentrated prana or spiritual energy. And then the goal is to unite the crown chakra with the Hindu god Shiva. This is all implicit in every form of yoga. So, all those different positions that one is taking, all the breathing, all that is for this one end, of seeking this kind of energy. People expose themselves to these experiences, are seeking energy, and something akin to a religious experience in the manner that is not of Christ's and not from the church a person related to me that the same experience, the same sensation they had when they were using drugs was similar to the sensation they had when they were practicing yoga. Yoga is intimately associated to religious beliefs of Hinduism. These beliefs are at odds with Christianity, a desire of altering one state of consciousness or seeking spiritual serenity seems to be a common end for those who practice it. And for many, this is an open door to the occult. And if you don't think that it's an open door to the occult, listen to this story. A story of a woman named Mary. She was Catholic, and she practiced, and she dabbled in Raja Yoga. Quote, After joining a yoga class, I learned how to relax the mind, and I enjoyed visualizing myself at my beautiful private place. With practice, I mastered the art of falling asleep in one minute in one night. But after a while, I found myself being abruptly awoke at 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning, and the same female person's face was there in front of me. And at work, my feeling for one particular workmate was getting unhealthy. She later broke away from this, but she describes later on her experience, and she says, My thoughts on this experience are that while our minds are empty, we surrender our bodies to demonic spirits, spirits like Lesbos. And because it feels at that time so wonderful and euphoric, we tell ourselves it must be good. It can't be evil. I did go through a long period of depression after this. But with the help of our Lord, our blessed Lord and our Lady, I came through, end quote. I should note this though, just because maybe you have, you have got, gotten in some of the positions of yoga, it does not mean that you're practicing it. Those are all accidental, okay? And also, what one should note too, that if somebody was guilty of these things in the past, it does not mean that one has opened themselves up infallibly to these, the, the, uh, the possessions. So, something you should note right now. An argument we might hear, though, is I can practice it, provided I do not accept the pagan part of it. A brother, Brother Max Scholle, who was a Christian brother in Australia, and he devoted years of investigating yoga, tai chi, and reiki, he wrote a book on the subject. And in this book, he states these words, quote, Some Christians who take up yoga maintain it can do them no harm because they reject the Hindu philosophy underlying it. But in retarding their breathing, they enter into an altered state of consciousness which opens them up to demonic influence which commonly leads to belief in an impersonal God in which all is one, monism, and in which God is all, pantheism, and in which the self becomes God. Ironically, this is an expression of Hinduism. Let us consider the end and the purpose then. Of yoga. Again, Brother Max Scully states The whole purpose of yoga is to kindle the divine spark within. Quoting a yogi himself, and now excuse me if I mispronounce, Moti Lal Pandit, a noted Indian scholar of Eastern religions, he tells us that quote, the aim of yoga is to realize liberation from the human condition. To achieve this liberation, various psychological, physical, mental, and mystical methods have been devised. It's been devised for this end. We know that in moral theology there are three parts that make an act, an act good. The object, the intention, and the circumstances. If any one of these three is bad, the object the action is bad no good intention can change a bad act into something that is good now it seems to me it seems to me that many who practice yoga are actually desiring to reach what the spiritual writers have called the prayer of quiet or infused contemplation or maybe Maybe they're even seeking those ecstatic raptures that St. Teresa of Avila was given by God. They want it, but they do not want to work. They want it, but they do not want the difficulties in meditation, the struggles of a virtuous life, the renunciation of our will and hard things. They want it on their own terms. The Catholic Church teaches, quote, there is one passive state in which God acts in us by His operating grace, but one reaches it normally only after having practiced the virtues of med- the virtues and meditation for a long time. Another argument is, we are taking something that may have been bad, but we're Christianizing it, so it becomes good for us. How many times have we heard? the statement that we are Christianizing these customs. But we should not gloss over this fact that there are certain practices that cannot be Christianized. Would you like to explain how it is possible to Christianize the Heil Hitler? Someone would not be able to in this day and age. When the Franciscans went down to Mexico, they had them destroy all those pagan idols. Destroy them. Because they could not be used, because they were so intimately tied in to that paganism that was practi- that was being practiced. And in this pagan age in which we live, it would be who of us also to do the same? Yoga really can't be separated from Hinduism. It's intimately associated to religious beliefs of Hinduism. And these beliefs are at odds with Christianity. The desire of altering one state of consciousness or seeking spiritual serenity seems to be the common end for those who practice yoga. And for many, this is an open door to the occults. Another argument is, Father, I get so much natural good from yoga. How can it be wrong? And I am sure God won't be upset with this. God's bigger than all this. Okay, so the ends justify the means. Is that what we're saying here? The ends justify the means. Imagine if we tried that line of argument in one of our other relations. Imagine if a mother has some children, has some sons that left the church, that apostatized. They went off and they became Mohammedans. They joined a group called ISIS. And there they performed all sorts of beheadings. The mother wept and prayed. She wrote letters but received no response. And long vigils she would spend weeping for her children and praying for them. Now imagine that a husband, the husband of this mother, begins to decorate his room with the ISIS flag, gets a tattoo of ISIS. And then he himself does not become Muslim, but he is just enthralled by the symbolism behind it. She might accuse him of being insensitive but all he says is I don't support them but I like what it looks like. I like what it makes me feel like. Why are you so upset about this? What kind of husband would that be? A man who really loved his wife? Now tell me how many souls are being dragged down by yoga, tai chi, reiki, Our Lord suffered greatly. He suffered on the cross. He wept for us. Our Lady wept for us. Are we going to shrug our shoulders and say, it makes me feel good? Another argument. Well, I have heard some Catholic experts and some nuns or clergy say that it's okay. Well, let's see what the real experts have to say about this. Father Gabriel Amorth performed 50,000 exorcisms in his life. He was the chief exorcist of Rome, and he was also made the honorary president of the World Association of Exorcists. He says, quote, "...yoga is the work of the devil." Quote, "...practicing yoga brings evil, as does reading Harry Potter." They may both seem innocuous, but they both deal with magic, and that leads to evil. Yoga is the devil's work. You think you are doing it for your stretching of your mind and body, but it leads to Hinduism. Bishop Ruskowitz, who was at one point, after he had performed those excommunications, was accosted by someone who was possessed. As they were dragging this person out, of the chancery. This person turned when Bishop Ruskwitz entered into the chancery three times, said, I know you, I know you, I know you. The evil one knew who his enemy was. This is what he had to say. Quote, it is also well known that many proponents of what is called New Age religion use yoga and yoga practices and instruction in these practices as doorways into, enter into the people's consciousness and to wean them away from the truths of the Catholic Church preserved in the deposit of faith. It would be most desirable for persons who are Catholic to abstain from the practice of yoga and to use other methods of exercise. We are never allowed to place our Catholic faith unnecessarily in any danger, and certainly the practice of yoga would be an occasion of serious sin. Father Clemens Pilar, who was ordained in 1989 and whose pastoral ministry was to expose the New Age movement, said, yoga is, quote, psychospiritual technique of self-transcendence. Only on the surface does yoga appear neutral. It's In its essence, it is an integral part of Eastern religions. I would much rather put stock in these men's words, then in some academia, who does not know when the rubber meets the road, when the spiritual life really matters in people's souls, know the effects of what happens for those who dabble in this. Yoga is intimately associated to religious beliefs in Hinduism. These beliefs are at odds with Christianity. A desire of altering one state of consciousness or seeking spiritual serenity is common those practicing yoga and for many this is an open door to the occult. Now if some have fallen into these things, remember the words of today's Mass, the words that we hear. And go to our Lord because He's full of mercy. He loves us. And His heart is open for us. We'll turn to the words of the Mass. Incline thy ear, O Lord, to me and hear me. Save thy servant, O my God, who trusteth in thee. If we have to tell somebody that we love the truth about yoga, consider also the words of today's scripture and keep them in your heart. Instruct such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Our Lord has given us the great Mass, a Mass where we can offer ourselves to God in true meditation, a true offering, united with the heart of Jesus, our God. Let us turn to the words and we'll finish with the words of today's Mass in the Offertory, and unite our hearts with these words. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and He stooped towards me and heard my cry. He put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us.